It is time to blast off inside the kennel. And now, here is the Tomahawk Missile himself, Vindog Radio. Gentlemen, children of all ages, this is going to be a goodie. Now, Ilan Omar got put on blast. Ilan Omar, she got put on blast at one of those little, uh, you know, town hall meetings. You got to check this out. Listen to this. What about justice for little girls, Ilan? You voted against legislation that would have made SDM a felony. Why is she so hateful against Israel? Are they going to recognize the United States' decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel? Time for She married her brother. Elon, why did you marry your brother? Elon Omar married her brother. She committed immigration fraud. So her brother yes, she did. It's up to the government. It's, yeah, and the government has decided that immigration fraud is a crime and incest is illegal in the United States of America. Okay, so Elon Omar got confronted by a member of the press. And I don't know her name. And uh, she couldn't answer the question. You see how this goes, people? These people are sick. They're out of their minds. The people on the left are the most corrupt. And there's some crooked people on the right, too. I am not going to leave anything left unturned when it comes to letting these clowns know who they are. Like little Ben Sass on the right, the so-called right guy. And what's the other guy's name? Mitt the Cricket Neck Romney, you heard it, and Liz Cheney. Do I need to speak anymore? We already know that Gavin Scrusom and other left-leaning dictators and idiots like Nancy Pelosi are crooked. We have to expose all of these clowns for who they really are. And check this out. Tucker Carlson talked about how... Jen Psaki was talking about going door to door about vaccinations. And he also interviews Charlie Kirk on here too. Check this out. Joe Biden announced the other day he'd like the government to go door to door to make sure you're vaccinated because I guess you really haven't had the opportunity to get a free vaccine. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Door to door. Doesn't it sound like a Jehovah's Witness? Anyone who hasn't gotten the vaccine at this point doesn't want the vaccine. And it used to be, it was your choice. You could decide what medicine to take. If you didn't think you wanted it or needed it, or it was good for you, you didn't have to take it because it was your body, your choice. Yep. Turns out that was a complete lie. And we know for certain because most colleges, feels like most colleges in the United States are now forcing their students to prove they've been vaccinated. Very few exemptions, if any, before they can get an education. 
in the fall. Wow. They've already paid for college, but they can't come back on campus until they get the shot. Now, many of them have already recovered from COVID. A lot of them have already recovered. They shouldn't get the shot. It's not good for them. There's a risk involved, much higher. Yes, there is a risk involved. And they're trying to tell people that they still need to get the jab in order to be on campus. Charlie Kirk addresses this a little bit with Mr. Tucker Carlson. Continue. COVID. But colleges are forcing them anyway. It's not your body. It's not your choice. Very few have fought back against this. Very few. But tonight there is a new effort to stop mandatory vaccination of college students. The group Turning Point USA is calling this new campaign No Forced Vax. Charlie Kirk is the co-founder of Turning Point. He joins us tonight. Charlie, first of all, thank you for doing this. We've been waiting. This is, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen happen in this country. And I'm just so grateful that someone is organizing resistance to us, tell, to, to it. Tell us what you're doing. Yeah, thank you, Tucker. And so my wife and I made the decision not to get the vaccine. And I announced that at an event a couple months ago. And then some of our Turning Point USA students came up to me. They said, Charlie, we can't make that same decision if we want to continue going to college. I said, what do you mean? They said, my university is basically mandating us to get the vaccine saying that yes they're mandating them to get the vaccine and if they do not get the stab jab they cannot enter the campuses hold on a second here they can't enter the campus but they've already paid for their college or some of their parents have paid for the college with their hard-earned money and you're telling them that they cannot enter because they're not accepting the stabby jabby there's a problem there, ladies and gentlemen, don't you think? Yes, there is a problem. There's a huge problem. You're telling people that they can't come on campus if they don't receive the jab. Well, you know what I got to say to that? To all you dean and staff members of colleges and universities around the country that are indoctrinating people anyway, here's something for you. Right down the camo, you're going to get flushed. You're going to infringe on someone else's rights. It's their body, their choice. When it comes to killing babies at an alarming rate of 3,000 a day in America, 1,500, which happen to be black, crazy. And now you say, oh, it's not your body, your choice when it comes to getting that jabodocious. Screw you. Put it up yours. I'm done. I don't even need to say anything more about these ignoramuses at universities anymore. They are beneath me anyways. That's why I left. Coming up on the other side, my special guest, T-Rex Radio, a.k.a. Rex McNeil. He's awesome. He has the Rex on the Road show, and it is cool. You guys have to listen to this interview. We go in-depth about everything. We kind of disagree on some things, but we find some common ground at the end because we're both believers in Christ and we know where this is headed. Yes, indeed. You're listening to The Kennel right here on Podbean.com. Myself, Vindog Radio, a Money Bin production, baby. Back in a minute, sucker. Back in a minute. More with the street shooter himself right after this. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Vindog Radio. American Airlines rated the worst. 
losing the most bags, shrinking legroom during COVID. American requires passengers to show ID to fly, but attacks Texas's popular voter ID law. Why is CEO Doug Parker trying to appease the radical left to distract from billions in taxpayer bailouts, from his $10 million payday, from Americans' record layoffs? Doug Parker, American Airlines, serve your customers, not woke politicians. Coca-Cola is getting political, attacking Georgia's popular voting law. Why? To distract from years of dismal sales, terrible 2020 results, reports suspecting they benefited from forced labor in China. Coca-Cola products are poisoning America's youth and worsening the obesity epidemic. So the company tried funding phony science to minimize the harms, but they got busted. James Quincy, Coca-Cola, stop poisoning our children. Serve your customers, not woke politicians. Nike is constantly political. Why? Cover. Congressional reports suspect Nike used forced labor in China. Religious minorities were ripped from their families, sterilized, sold to factories. Nike made shoes in those same areas. Congress tried to ban Nike's labor practices. Nike fought back with highly paid lobbyists. Rather than hiring Americans, Nike chose China. John Donahoe, Nike. Stop exploiting foreign labor. Serve your customers, not woke politicians. He shoots straight from the hip, and if you don't like it, go and stuff yourselves. Back to the kennel with Mr. Keeping It Real himself, Vin Dog Radio. Welcome back to the kennel with myself, Vin Dog Radio, and please like and follow the podcast on Podbean.com. Over 5 million downloads of the Podbean app and 1.7 billion downloads of all of the podcasts that are carried on Podbean along with the influencers and et cetera and so forth. And you can follow us on YouTube at Money Bin Productions with a Z. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you I was going to bring my brother back, and man, he is the king of the road as far as going to the wineries, the restaurants, the bar and grills, chowing down on burgers, pizza, right. beer, and wine. And he <laughs> is a radio machine like myself. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Rex T-Rex Radio. Yeah, how's it going, Ben Doc? Oh, man, it's lovely today. I, I can't complain, you know, but it's 106 degrees outside. But that's another yeah. story. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's going to be hot this weekend, I know, uh, up in Northern Cal. And uh, I know you're, uh, you're what, in Southern Cal, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it gets hot in both places, but, uh, you know, crank up that AC. And thanks so much for having us on the show again. Always a, a pleasure to come on and, and chat with a buddy and uh mm -hmm. you and i have uh what uh, been around each other for a while now and so it's yes. always fun to kind of hang out on your podcast here this is great yeah and and i and i gotta actually when i go up north and hang out on your podcast it's gotta be fun i gotta do one of those tours with you <laughs> yeah yeah well we'd love to have you i, I would have loved to have you where we were yesterday and it's the oldest winery in napa valley okay it was the first winery there you know, Napa is now such a wine scene, but back in 1861, it was not. And uh, Charles Krug Winery is where we were. And uh, we got some great video. We got to drink some great wine. And we got this really kind of find out their story you uh -huh. know, about how they began to make wine in Napa Valley. And now the Mondavi family uh, has had that winery since 1943, which is at least a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> as far as I can guess, and uh, and uh, so uh, you know, it's uh, you know, it's a wonderful story, 
and uh, the Mondavi family, you kind of think wine, you think California wine, their name is one of the names that comes up. They're like fourth or fifth generation now uh, of, you know, making wine. So in, they're in basically the staple of Napa Valley right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, there's some other families that have been making wine probably for almost as long as them. But, you know, mm-hmm. we all know the name Mondavi if we drink wine. Yes, yes. It's just a name we kind of know. And mm-hmm. so it was, we got to spend the whole day there uh, at their estate and got to go into the private tasting room, uh, got to hear the story, hear how they acquired uh, Charles Krug. Uh, and, and so it's just, you know, that's incredible. We were able to capture that on video. So we're excited to put that up on social media for everybody to see. I'm looking and, forward uh, to it. I haven't seen it yet, you guys, but I know it's going to be great. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, they had the story to tell and, and hopefully, uh, we made that easy for them to tell and, uh, you know, make that uh, something that people can see. Um, of course, you know, I think Napa Valley is one of those wine destinations. If you love wine, everybody wants to visit. So, uh, yeah, whatever you, know, you do, don't stop by Pelosi's winery. You might get poisoned. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, I got you. I got you. Well, that's, that's very true. That's very true. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, eh, you know, I mean, eh, we, <laughs> you never know. You know, you never know. So we <laughs> we try to find we try to find the good places to go, and uh, that's you know, not one I of mean, them. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. So uh, you know, but uh, that's uh, what uh, we've done. What three or four wineries now in the Napa Valley, and wow. it looks like we're expanding that area uh, quite rapidly. So uh, that's fun, and uh, uh-huh. of course we continue in Northern California to promote restaurants, wineries, mm-hmm. breweries. Uh, Eats and drinks, basically. You know, if uh, if it's good food and it's good drink, then uh, hopefully we'll be there and uh, show how much uh, effort they put into making, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be food or, or drink, and uh, make people hungry and thirsty. Things that'll take your mind off the nonsense that's going on in the world for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. And, hey, guess what? Everybody, no matter what their political affiliation may be, mm-hmm. drinks and eats, right? Yes. You know, drink and eat. <laughs> if so, you don't drink, you definitely eat. Right. So it's something, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, we all like food and we all like drinks. And it's kind of cool to see them being made or, or uh, you know, being things cooked or, or whatever. Or how is that made type of thing? And so, uh, you know, it's a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. So what's on your temperature right now, especially with a lot, you know, happening these days? Uh, you know, my temperature is a country. We are more divided than we've been maybe since the Civil War. Um, and, and the Civil War was geographical, right? I mean, it was North and South and, and that, uh, that game where this is, you know, um, you can't have a conversation with somebody because they're liberal and other person's conservative. It used to be we could have conversations, right? We could kind of talk about it, maybe not agree, but we could, we could agree to disagree and say, hey, that's not the way I see things. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that we're very divided. I think it's a scary time in the sense of, as divided as we are, um, you know, uh, it, it's not that hard to have it, it turn into something violent because people are very uh, adamant about their political position, about their, uh, their way of life. And I, I think that's great that they're so passionate about what they yeah. believe in. But I think, you know, we've lost something as a society if we don't choose to listen to the opposing view. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think it's turned into like a street gang of politics nowadays. It's crazy. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, 
you know, we're, uh, we're, we're talking about the color of people's skin. Uh, oh, good Lord. I thought time. we got away from that with Martin I Luther King. I mean, I grew up, I grew up in the seventies <laughs> and I thought, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying it was, I'm part native American. So I, I've, I've seen. We're all mixed prejudice. with something if you're living in America <laughs> for right. more than yeah, two, yeah. two generations. So, I mean, all of us come from somewhere, all of us come from some background, but mm -hmm. I, I think when we start, uh, when we start eliminating the commonalities that we have as human beings, right? Um, then and start seeing people as different, or uh, the enemy of of the American way of life, of, of however you picture that, then there there's a problem that can continue to fester, continue to build, and can lead to violence and lead to crime and lead to making all of our life a little more difficult. Exactly, and you yeah. know what? I I think of this. The enemy of the American people right now is the media. I really think so. I, I, yeah, I'm right there with you because it doesn't matter if you turn on a conservative news media mm -hmm. or you turn on a liberal news media. They're banging the drum for what, uh, whatever they're pushing so hard that you know people are really buying into that. And we've worked in the media most of our lives, or a big so part we of know. Our lives. Yes. Well, we we know how you can create you can create a dynamic, you can create a story, you can create fear. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and so, and I see that all the time. Well, is, we come from the business of mediocrity, which is radio. Right, right. <laughs> but we come, but we come from theater of the mind. Exactly. And, how, and, and how they're trying times, to make it a uh, fake yeah. reality. That's what they're doing. Right, right. Well, they're, they're making it a theater and they're, they're mm -hmm. playing to different groups biggest fear that they have. Right. Mm -hmm. it, is that somebody's trying to take over America <laughs> and do bad. And it's not, it's not the country that you once loved and right you know it's filled with racism it's filled with this it's filled with that i'm not saying it's not but focusing on the bad is never going to do any good no right no you know it's never going to make things better if we focus on the bad so uh mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and it's and it's insane that you mentioned that rex because they're teaching <laughs> this to children in classrooms well i i think part of the problem right now and i mean you know I, my son is is clearly out of out of school um, but the thing now is uh, political agendas are, are being pushed. Uh, when I was growing up, it, I, I'm not saying it was completely unbiased because nothing is, but right. it, it, it wasn't now with such an agenda seems to be being pushed on, on our children as far as learning um, that, you know, it doesn't feel like there's real learning going on. It feels like a political indoctrination. Yeah. Right. It feels like, a, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's that it, they're it's a recruiting it's a recruiting tool. Yeah. And still instead of letting kids learn and letting them decide for themselves whatever political vent they want to go. That's I believe everybody has a right to decide that. Right. But when you're pushing, you know, one sided uh, a one sided love affair, you know, uh, that's mm -hmm. I don't think that's that's fair. Or right. And I don't think it's good for the country as a whole. No, no, no. Uh, because. I have to drop this on a lot of folks' heads because they say, oh, you know, my party is this, my party is that. I got to tell you, there are folks in both parties that are destroying mm -hmm. this country. Well, and yeah, that, I, think that, I think that's what people don't understand is there's folks on the left and there's folks on the right, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And they're both pushing, pushing their, own, their own ideology mm -hmm. and their own, their own fears and – and they know that on each side, they're going to grab so many people because there's so many people that believe that, that are going to buy into that. There's so many people that don't really do a lot of research when they hear the news or watch the news or whatever. Right. That they're just going to grab the headlines 
and go, oh my gosh, that's happening? That's horrible. And, and unfortunately, yeah. we only have a very few people that we can practically count on one hand, like the Jim Jordans and Matt Gates and uh, what's his name on the, the left? Uh, Joe Manchin. That's his name. Mm -hmm. He's right, a right, yeah. Very few constitutionalists are, are in Congress in the Senate right now. Well, you know, I think that the, the other thing, too, that happens is, is is you start to believe a particular politician or you don't. Mm -hmm. And 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 sooner or later, then we hear about some other inequity that they were involved in or some right. other cash grab or money grab. Um, right now, I think <laughs> the thing is you got to realize if you're a politician, um, you know, you better uh, be living pretty clean. You know, <laughs> you, yeah, better exactly. be living, uh, you better be living uh you know, pretty straight and narrow, you know? Right. And, and, yeah. and the thing is, if you don't toe the line, they will make it bad for you. Well, I, I think you're going to have, uh, you know, cheerleaders on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, and you're going to have, you know, the media, the way it is now is anybody can hop on social media and say anything they want, basically, you know, to yeah. a certain degree, you know, I, you or I could get on there and we could say, you know, whatever, um, mm -hmm. you know, we want, without any validation, without any, uh, you know, proof, without any, it used to be when we seen the news media, at least there was journalism involved yeah, there to was. some degree. Right. And there was and proof maybe, behind the pudding. Well, you know, I always think that, you know, people are always going to have a little bit of a bias, you know, I yeah, mean, but yeah. now the bias is so overriding it, it supersedes the story. Um, and so the story is how biased it is, not what is actually happening. Um, you know, and I mean, anytime we've got the media is working people up into a, a throffy, uh, hate, uh, towards the other side, um, you know, that's just not good. And then the political uh -huh. uh, system is, is using that to, uh, win votes or, or whatever in, in such a, a power hungry fashion, right? They don't care about what's right no. or wrong. They just no. care about that they have political power. Yeah. It's like uh, the broke back mountain, uh, Mitt Romney's other world and the, Mitch Cocaine Meccano's. Yeah, yeah, those guys. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it could be a thing once the genie's out of the bottle uh, that we can't put it back. Mm -hmm. or, or the thing is, I believe there needs to be governmental control over social media, just like there was radio. Yes. Uh, in the sense of, because right now it seems like it's the Wild West. You can say anything you want on social media. Pretty much uncensored, uh, you know, uncensored, un, uh, you know, there's no, you know, uh, you know, people can say you can say something about your neighbor and it may not have any basis in truth at, at all. Right. Right. And uh, say that, oh, I think he uh, I think he molests small children. Right. You know, or mm -hmm. whatever. Get on social media and and say that. And all of a sudden this person's life is ruined. Uh, with no proof, no, you know, no uh, validity to uh, to that and no even checking if to see if that even has any essence of truth in it. So the question is, speaking of all of this, mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty sure you saw a lot of stuff on Twitter and, and Instagram. Sure. People putting up memes saying, where in the heck is Hillary Clinton, the criminal of all criminals? Where is Hillary? And then all of a sudden something comes out the other day. And the president of Haiti is assassinated. And people are coming out saying, man, what did he have on the Clintons? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, there, there's the fun we all have with social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so it's it's crazy because sometimes I wonder too. I'm like, man, what did he have on those? Well, guys? what the other day I seen uh, what they were talking about something, and it was somebody, <laughs> and maybe it was Trump running for president, and that JFK Jr. was going to be his vice presidential candidate, and JFK Jr. was alive. And uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's it's completely ridiculous. It's it's as if uh, you know Elvis is, is walking around at Seven Elevens. Exactly. Uh, you know it's. <laughs> And so the the thing is, you know, I think we're living on the edge of reality, to quote an Elvis Presley song, if you don't mind. Yes. And, uh, I think, you know, we've got the conspiracy folks and, and the conspiracies they're bringing up aren't the old conspiracies about is there UFOs or not, because yeah. the government saying, saying there is finally. Um, these are conspiracies <laughs> that don't have a, an ounce of truth or uh, any little believability that they could even really happen. It's just exactly. people making stuff up. Yeah. yeah. And things so that people uh, can't reach from that far, right? Right. But uh somehow they can, you know. So uh <laughs> it, somehow they can. It, it's it, you know, it's as if it's as if Bill Cosby got out of prison. It, it's so weird. <laughs> I gotta tell you, um, the guy that I'm having fun with it, uh with a banter is Aubrey Huff on Twitter. I know he's your buddy. He's your pal. And I, you know, I watched him <laughs> as a, a Giants fan, and uh, you know, I know he had that uh, that pair of underwear and stuff. But uh, since that, time, <laughs> Aubrey, Huff, Aubrey Huff has uh, became a comedian. He's become a very funny guy, and mm-hmm. uh, some people find it funny, some people don't, and uh, yeah. it's kind of like everything else these days, right? Yeah, like he 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 says people take things too personally nowadays. Well, you know, I, and, and, and I was an Aubrey Huff fan. I enjoyed watching him play baseball. And I think, you know, some of the political things that he's gotten into, I, I mean, I think you got to do two things. You got to decide, do I want everybody to love me and like me? And I'm going to be the nice, funny guy. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, that. or I'm going to just, I'm going to say some things to get some attention, but some of that's going to be negative attention. And I'm fine with that. And I'm going to just speak my mind. And, and that's he's him. Obviously, and he's obviously decided he's going to speak his mind. And whoever loves him, loves him. And who doesn't? can go uh, jump in a lake. And that's pretty much what he's saying too when he does yeah. put that stuff out there because right. everything I get from that guy I'm like, "Oh my goodness, he said that." Right. And then yeah, sometimes yeah, he'll seen, say what other people are thinking. Yeah, I've seen some of the things he said and you know, I think sometimes too looking at his stuff and and I haven't looked at his stuff in a while, but when he, I was uh-huh. looking at his stuff a little more consistently, I was like I can't tell if he's really trying to joke here or if, you know, I, I can't really tell where I can't really tell where he's at. So it's yeah. hard to go, hey, this is funny. And and then the other thing is, I don't know if you remember this. He had some mental health issues at some time after his baseball career. Yeah, yeah, during yeah. His baseball career. And so I look at it this way. A lot of us have had problems with depression or, you know, some kind of uh, some kind of thing like that. Right. I mean, uh-huh. and. and you know, depression or, you know, what have you, or anxiety. And so my thing is, is sometimes I look at people like that, having been in, in the public ear, I, whatever, uh, you know, sometimes you end up saying something that brings attention on you that if you went back, you would go, maybe I wished I could have said that a little differently, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, so to me, it also brings a, a mental health issue, you know, is he okay? Is he all right? Or, you know, is there somebody that's kind of, spinning around here in circles and you know needs help you know mm-hmm. and, and so to me it's kind of a double-edged sword 
and it's not clear every time you hear him talk whether he's you know really trying to be funny or if he's trying to be serious or it's a mix of the two or you know and so i think that that uh you know that's a difficult equation with aubrey huff yeah to kind of figure out where he's going yeah, I think he does a lot of things just to ruffle feathers too. At the same time, I, I do. I, I do think that, and and that, in my mind, that is fine. I mean, it as long as he's not attacking, uh, you know, a single individual, right? Um, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, that's his personal right. Now, if he's attacking somebody personally or or something, um, then that may be a whole different question. But yeah, I think you know, I think he's trying to make people think, and you know, that's. These days, uh, a lot of people aren't used to somebody really kind of making them think about things uh, outside of their political sphere. Um, and so I think to a lot of people, he is a very uncomfortable, uh, <laughs> uncomfortable entertainer, you know, uncomfortable, uh, you know, um, thing. And, and, and that's, that's fine. I mean, in this country, we, we have the right to free speech. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody. I don't agree with everybody, but I believe that you have the right to free speech as long as you're not physically inciting harm to an individual. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, where you're saying, hey, you know, lynch this guy in front of his house on Saturday. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, you know? but I, I think once again, it comes down to the toxic environment we live in. And that is if we don't agree with the person, then they're bad. They're evil. Mm -hmm. And it never used to be that way. We, we didn't, uh, you know, maybe in the worst possible cases we did, but I mean, mostly we were kind of accepting of, of somebody being different, of saying something different. Maybe we didn't agree with it, but we said, Hey, they have the right to express themselves in that way. Mm -hmm. and I have the right, I have the right to turn them on, turn them off, whatever, Right. Uh, you know, and not listen to them, not see them, whatever. I mean, I think people forget on social media. There's a thing where you can block people if you don't want to hear, <laughs> you know, or unlike, yes. unfollow. Uh, you know, it, it's like my dad used to tell me uh, when I was uh, doing radio, and he used to say, he goes, the thing I like about you being on the radio. I was like, oh, my dad likes me, something about me being on the radio. Oh, boy. And I was like, wow, okay, I finally made it. And then he said that I can turn it off. See, <laughs> that, that makes sense. Right. And I think the thing is, is – is society in general doesn't realize that we can turn off social media. We can turn off following that person or hearing that toxic information or information we feel is toxic. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, you know, I, I think also something that is highly underrated is a social media break. All of us need to take it every once in a while and just be away mm -hmm. from any social media. I think we're also worried that we're going to miss the world is coming to an end uh, or, or whatever. Or that new TikTok video that's really fun. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think just mentally, for all of our, our own well-being, we need to, you know, every once in a while, a couple of days a week, just get away from that phone. Get away from that social media. Yeah, and, and Twitter is not the real world, people. Let's get no. that straight. It's not the real world. And, and you know, I, I kind of say some things on there. I'm like, hey, you know what? Your keyboard warriors need to relax. I just put I a thought have, out there. <laughs> I think you have a point. Just calm down because radio guys and keyboard warriors don't mix. <laughs> well, I, I, I think everybody has gotten brave to be, you know, it, it's funny. I, I love seeing people that are like, uh, you know, they're, they're really about a cause on social media and they get on and they, you know, uh, you know, I voted or I supported that online. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, 
Well, it really doesn't take a lot of effort for you. It doesn't. Like a post or, or say I agree or and the things we say to people on social media, some people, is, <laughs> I, I see some comments and I'm like, whoa, you know, I mean, slow down here a bit. You know, yeah, I mean, calm down. You know, just slow down a little bit. Um, and and who are you? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who are you to say that or say that in more of a polite way or mm-hmm. send a private message or. You know, it's just we're so quick to get angry with people now, I think, in, about yeah. what they say or what they think, that there's no possibility to go, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna talk to Vin Dog and find out why he really feels that way. Because exactly. I know Vin Dog's a good guy. I know he's a good guy. Love him like a brother. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but why did he know, say it like that? that? Seemed a little, yeah, he seemed a little harsh there about what he said, and I want to find out why he thought, <laughs> you, know, you know. I want to well, find out why he said that. Which is know? hardly the case. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is all of us seem to, and it's almost like people are two people now. They're social media identity mm-hmm. and, and who they are in real life. It, it's almost like we've all taken on roles on social media um, that are different than what our real life is. And, and I kind of wonder if people are trying to live vicariously through that or that's the life that they want everybody to think that they're living. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that may not uh, be the life. You know, my thing is, I just try to be me and I, yes, you know, I, I, I show myself, uh, you know, going places. We have video up all the time. I am who I am. Exactly. And, and go, okay, this is who I am at this stage in my life. And, you know, this is, you know, this is my beliefs or whatever. And my thing is, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, treat your neighbors, uh, you know, as you would like to be treated. Right. And I think a lot of us have forgotten that lesson. I think a lot of us have gotten caught up in our own uh, our own little uh, political beliefs that we can't even respect a, another human being to have a, a relief uh, a belief uh, that's mm-hmm. counter to our own. And, and to me, that's just I, I, it doesn't make sense. But I notice more and more anger coming to fruition in our society, and it's sad. It's it's sad and scary. Oh, the anger is on steroids. Oh yeah, yeah. It's you know, um, it's just so so over the top <laughs> like you wouldn't believe and you know what's right. funny i actually kindly private messaged someone that got out of line with me on twitter once and this was some years ago and i said you know to be honest with you i'm not a keyboard warrior i am mm-hmm. what you see on social media i am what you get sure. when i tweet or or post it on facebook or instagram um and i said look i said let's i said let's be real here you wouldn't say that to me if you saw me on the street. That's what I told him. That's right. It. Right. right, right. <laughs> yep. You wouldn't say that to me if you saw me on the street. And, and that's coming from a real guy. And most us radio guys are real guys. You know, we, we, <laughs> we're going to be honest. Um, but, you know, it, it, unfortunately, in today's society, they don't have that because they've been born into the keyboard warrior society. Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's kind of uh, like the Wizard of Oz right? Mm-hmm. The Wizard of Oz was behind this curtain, and, and you didn't see who it really was, and they could do whatever. They were the wizard, right? And, and, and it turned out that they weren't even really the wizard, and that's kind of social media. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'm this big, bad, powerful person behind social media, but if you meet me in public, I'm just this, you know, this, this diminutive, this short person or, or whatever um, that 
you know, doesn't have a personal opinion, but yet I get behind the keyboard or I get on social media and all of a sudden I'm Mr. Opinion or Mrs. Opinion. Exactly. Because I yeah. know some friends that are on the other side of the aisle. I won't sure. say which side it is. Right. But I will sure. tell you this much. They wouldn't say the things that they say to me on social media in front right. of me. I, I will right. tell you that right now because it will be one moment they will remember for the rest of their lives if it lasts that long. Well, <laughs> yeah. oh, you make a good point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just, I just think that you know, people have lost, they've lost their cookies all the way right now. Well, I, I think you know the one thing that we have to consider is we used to have a civility in society, mm-hmm. at least American society, it right. It didn't mean everything was perfect. It didn't mean everything was right. But I, I think most most of us tried to treat each other with, you know, common courtesy. And now that doesn't even exist. Just drive on the freeway in L.A. Oh, uh, man. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was on the freeway coming back from Napa yesterday. And you got people passing you on both sides of the road. And, you know, it, it's, it's like escape from New York or L.A. or whatever. And it, it's just like, okay. I mean, I guess you're in a really big hurry and okay, well, you know, go on your way. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't get the, the way that people are treating each other. You know, I'm, I'm not, not understanding that. And then, uh, and then they have the audacity to flip you the bird. Oh, I know. I know. I'm like, what? Where'd that come from? Right. <laughs> yeah, where did that come from? I'm Where telling you, Rex, things are happening in today's society in biblical proportions. Oh, there, I, I completely agree. I, I you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, we look at things in the Bible right now and you kind of go, wow, you know, is this, uh, you know, is this the time that they're talking about in the Bible? Um, you know, I believe, a, I believe a miracle is getting ready to happen and, and, you know, it's it's interesting times and so yeah. you know whatever you have faith in you know you might want to grab onto that yeah you know? I, I believe that there's hope for the individual at this at this point in time the way things right. are looking but mm-hmm. america i don't know man it's 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 a hard one to call but god's done some incredible things before the finish yeah. line so well I, I think too as you look at the history of america it, it hasn't all been perfect it hasn't all you know, been where we can apply ourselves on, on race relations or mm-hmm. how minorities get treated in this country or how immigrants uh, have been treated uh, at, at times, like, I guess, like now. Um, but uh, the bottom line is America has came through these battles before, and I believe America will come through them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't look good right now. And if you're if you're a betting person, you might bet against America right now, but I always like the story of an underdog. So, uh, mm-hmm. and my family, my family goes way back in a in, in American history, all the way back to Daniel Boone, um, and you know, so I, I have some relatives that were true pioneers in this country's history, and uh, I know what they accomplished in their lifetime. And I believe, as long as we continue to believe and and, and see hope in the future, and and start treating other humans with uh, dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe we can all come together and make it a better place for our kids or grandkids. Uh, and, and, but it's going to take work. You know, it's not going to be, 
something you can do on uh, the internet, something you can do on social media. It's going to, you know, it's going to take getting hands dirty. It's going to take talking with people. It's going to take working together. Yeah. Rolling up the sleeves. I think so. I think so. And I'm not sure as a society right now, we're really used to working towards anything. Right. Uh, So, I mean, I think we're all going to have to wake up, uh, you know, no matter who you are, what your background is, uh, what, what nationality you are, what your uh, sexual orientation may be, uh, what your beliefs may be. Uh, we all need to come together and realize that we're neighbors and we live across the street from each yeah. other. And we need to make life better for all of us uh, and respect each other, you know, respect mm-hmm. and love each other and say, you're my neighbor. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to do what's best uh, for my community and, mm-hmm. and make this a better place. And, you know, my thing is I always say hi to people when I'm out. I'm always smiling. I always ask people when I'm getting a coffee, how's your day going? How you doing? Um, right. I, to me, you know, a lot of people don't do that anymore. No, you know, and I, people are shocked when you do that. Right. And I just, I've always been an upbeat person. And, you know, uh, you know, hey, if you can make somebody smile in their day who's working behind the uh, cash register at the coffee shop or, or mm-hmm. the deli or, or whatever, it, who knows? They may be going through a really tough day. And somebody saying hi to them and actually action asking them as a human, uh, you know, how are you doing today? How's it going for you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hey, can, yeah. okay, let's jump into something else. And I've oh, I've okay. really wanted to jump into this. And I wanted okay. to get your opinion on this. Oh, no. I'm in trouble already. So talking. the press secretary uh-huh. uh, with the IQ of Joe Biden's, of course. Um, I don't know. She scares me. Yeah, really her IQ is not there. Okay. I don't know what her deal is, but I just I feel like I'm in detention at school and she's the teacher that's like reprimanding me. Every she's that teacher that everyone her, loves to like hate. I, yeah, I feel like does she have a ruler in her hand? Is she gonna slap me with that thing? What what what's going on with Jen? What's happening <laughs> with Jen? I, I always say that her forehead looks like a bent baseball helmet after it's been through a war. I don't know, but you know, <laughs> Did you, I think I know what you're going to ask me about. And she said that uh, the states and stuff may decide that people have to wear masks again. Or go door to door to ask if people have been vaccinated. Well, see, the vaccination thing, and I, I know that you are you have a, a feeling about it. Let me ask you this. You went you went to kindergarten, right? Oh, yeah. You, you had to get vaccinated for, I don't know, smallpox or whatever before you went to elementary school. You had to show that you had been vaccinated. Get the so polio get vaccine and all that other stuff. Yeah, Right, right. And so you wouldn't get other kids sick, right, or, or teachers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yet people act like this vaccination that we're getting is the first time we've ever been vaccinated. Something mm-hmm. like this has never happened before. Vaccination has a history of controlling disease and illnesses, right? Mm-hmm. And, but... You know, people are getting, you know, really weird about it. I think the government is overstepping its bounds to a, to a large degree. Oh, absolutely. But I still think that probably the safest way for us to get back to normal, keep things normal, and, and whatever strain is, is moving through uh, the country or the world, that vaccination is the best way for us to, to remain healthy. Uh-huh. But I think with the way the government has, has went overbound has has stepped over uh, fences and, and borders and and everything and kind of made people say okay i have to get vaccinated because the government says i have to get vaccinated i believe people still should have a personal choice 
Mm-hmm. My personal choice was to get vaccinated because my wife had to get vaccinated. Right. You do, you do whatever you want to do. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. You do whatever, whatever you want to do, you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also realize that if you get sick, right, because you didn't get vaccinated, that you're partially to blame. So you're taking social responsibility for whatever happens. You're taking a gamble either way. Exactly. Well, yeah. yes, and like the 13-year-old uh, kid from Michigan that died from taking a second sure. jab yesterday. Sure, sure. Yeah. But, but I've seen the numbers on the second, you know, some of the folks that, that got ill and, and unfortunately didn't make it. And the numbers weren't that weren't that high because I think with every drug you're going to have a, mm-hmm. a certain amount of, of people that for whatever reason they're going to have an allergic reaction they're going to have this they're going to have that I mean I worried worried when I got the shot because I'm allergic to a lot of things my wife is allergic to a lot of things I was mm-hmm. a little concerned yeah but, I'm I'm just allergic to the government telling people that they should get vaccinated well see that's that's a, a good allergic reaction <laughs> but you know I think. Once again, it's personal choice. It should be personal choice. Yeah, but when you have a guy like Dr. Robert Malone, who was the inventor of the MR, uh, mRNA uh, formula right. for vaccines, yeah, yeah. coming out uh-huh. saying that it, there's some things that need to be questioned, he's not saying people shouldn't take the vaccine, right. but he's saying that a little more research needs to be done because there's a lot of hidden misinformation uh, in well, to, in the whole thing with the vaccinations. Well, I, I think there's going to be two things. Mm-hmm. There's going to be two things. One, this had to get rushed to the public. This had to mm-hmm. get rushed to a certain degree, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as quickly as it happened, as quickly as it unfolded. <clears throat> and then, you know, whatever testing was done before then. But, but also, there's other people that say, you know, they've been testing for this type of thing for a long time. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there was always the belief that, hey, a pandemic could hit basically any time in the world and affect our country and, and other countries across, across the globe. Um, so I, I, I agree and disagree because I believe work was being done, mm-hmm. you know, say five, 10 years ago. Um, and I believe with with any drug, with any medicine that we take, um, you could go take two Tylenol today because you have a headache. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's just say, unfortunately, you die. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'm just going to say that somehow you have an allergic reaction yeah, to the yeah. Tylenol. Maybe you never had an allergic reaction to it before. You've taken Tylenol a million times in your life for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Does that mean that everybody shouldn't take Tylenol? Exactly. Does that mean that everybody should not take Tylenol because one person had an uh, adverse reaction? I, I think you, I think it should be left up to the individual. Yeah, that that's the only argument I come back and forth to. My wife works in a grocery store, so she was getting a shot. I'm high risk because of some health issues that I've had most of my life. Mm-hmm. So for me, and I was on the fence a long time, and then finally I said, well, my wife's getting it. It's only fair if I go get it. But our son, who's 24, has decided not to get the shot. No. Okay, and, uh-huh. and I'm not forcing him to get the shot. He lives in our home. Okay, you don't want to get the shot. That's well, fine. they they were saying too that people under forty shouldn't have to get it. Well, my son's really really healthy, and and I I yeah. don't believe, you know that. But then again, you got that age that age group of people, who are highly more social than older people, right? Mm-hmm. And they're out amongst amongst other people a lot more, right? And for some but, reason, God just built me like a freaking four tough machine. 
You're the best, man. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> but you're I, right. Yeah. So, but I, I believe we keep coming back to it should be personal choice. I, I think, uh, you know, that's, to me, that's the only answer. I, I can't answer for anybody else. I can't even answer for myself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what are you going to feel comfortable? What's going to give you peace of mind? If, if not getting the shot gives you peace of mind and you're like, hey, I'm going to just take the gamble, mm-hmm. then I guess that's on you. If you're going to get the shot and go, I'm going to take the gamble, then that's on, you know, that's on yeah. you too. You know? Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, it, it is on you. But the fact that she said that they were going to send people to go door to door, I'm like, um, if you yeah. come to my door, there might be a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah because you know what, what people are going to start thinking? <laughs> They're going to start thinking, um, you know, you're coming to get my guns. Yeah. You're going to have a certain segment of the population that, oh, okay, this is how the government's going to get guns. You're, you're going to end up with an ugly problem there. Um, and I, I, I don't agree with going door to door. I just got, it, amazingly, I got some text right before we, well, I think it was after we were talking. Uh-huh. And it, was, it, was, uh, it was a survey asking if you've gotten the vaccine, if you were going to get the vaccine, you know, whatever, trying to fill out, you know, it was for California, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't have a problem. I, I got the shot. Okay. I got the shot. Mm-hmm. Yes, I got the shot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a, a problem. I, I think to some degree, the government is overstepping bounds to a large degree. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it also coming back to the, the old question, and, and we all studied this in civics class, the greater good, right? No, oh boy. It's mm-hmm. coming back to greater good, right? Mm-hmm. So government right now doesn't care about what's right for Vindog or what's right for Rex on the radio. Or oh, they, you know, the thing is, whether we take it or not, they can still care less about our well-being. Put it that way. Right, right. Well, I mean, the thing is, is they're going to care about society as a whole. And the only thing that's going to mean anything to them is everybody's been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody got vaccinated. And so we did our job as a as a, a government uh, in ensuring health and welfare to our people. Well, and so- and plus, and plus, I'm going to tell you the honest God truth. A lot of... <laughs> Friends of mine that are Native Americans and other people of sure. color have right. an issue because of the simple fact Bill Gates said mm-hmm. that we need to get this going so that we can get it into the Native Americans and people of color communities first. Sure. And the thing is, Bill Gates is not a trusted individual, to be honest with you, because oh, he no. believes in a different type of utopia. He believes in population control. He believes in depopulating the planet. And this is proven. You know, I've played some videos and stuff on this guy. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of a catch 22 with with people well, think, in inner city it, communities. It's not. a Well, yeah, it's always going to be a catch 22 in, in Native American communities, Hispanic communities, mm-hmm. African American communities, mm-hmm. because the government. Whenever the government's done something for those minorities or nationalities, it's always came with a price. It's always came with a price of them paying with their lives mm-hmm. in yeah. one sense or another, right? Yes, uh, and Anthony Fauci has that reputation. Right, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I mean, I think, you know, Anthony Fauci, just like anybody that's going to be in that situation, you have people that, that go, oh, he's okay. And you have other people go, oh, my gosh, he's, he's Dr. Evil. Just you gore know? him with a bull and get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we, we kind of are where we are. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is, uh, you know, questionable times, but I'm sure during 1919, during that pandemic, I'm sure people in America had the same questions that they have today. Mm-hmm. And that was the government is using this to take control of our lives. As Americans, we're kind of adverse to that. We, we don't like that. No, 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 no. Because that's not what this was built on. And I don't think Daniel right. Boone would like it either. Oh, I know he wouldn't. I, I know he wouldn't. <laughs> I know he wouldn't. Um, you know, and so what you have is, you know, all of us have to, you know, decide where we want to stand. You know, where mm-hmm. do you want to stand? I mean, my thing is on personal choice. I'm going to make my choice, whatever that may be. But everybody else needs to, you know, and we don't need the uh, Starbucks coffee uh, folks. Going well, I, I I voted on Twitter today. I voted on Instagram, and so I I really took a stand. Or on the that. Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kreme people telling you, "Oh, if you get the jab, we'll give you a right. donut." Or you know, <laughs> things that are doing, or the things that are uh, doing uh, joint uh, joint for a jab or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so. you know the thing is, d- under federal law, that is illegal actually to incentivize vaccines. Well, I would think into incentivize and then how about drugs yeah right so if you take this drug we'll let you take the drug you really want to take uh, okay. All right. high times at ridgemont high huh yeah yeah i guess <laughs> it is just nuts. it's and, a nuts uh, society we're living in rex i'm telling you man oh, you it, it's it's you know, and, and um, I'm not going to mention the person's name, and you know this person very well. Okay. And, and he's a super legend, and okay. he's a Hall of Famer already. Okay. And he, you know, told me, mm-hmm. he goes, things are going to get really bad, and that's why I'm heading for the hills. Well, I think you, you've got a lot of a lot of people that are, uh, you know, making those kind of decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, and- and if I had to guess, I would say that person probably grew up in, in, in a small town. Maybe all his life he's worked in a, a big city. Yeah, plenty of big and cities. Says, <laughs> you know, I, see, I see the writing on the wall, and I'm not sticking around here. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go do whatever I'm going to go do. And it feel like uh, if I if I move, uh, you know, to another another state, uh, another area, a more rural area, then you know I, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, once again, it comes down to personal choice. Absolutely. And, yeah, and and maybe that person, because you know they've uh, attained uh, you know some nice financial success in the old career. Uh, yes, yes, have, yes. <laughs> they have some. They have some money that uh, you know they don't have to worry about. Hey, I have to get a job if I move there, or you know, um, I have other ways to make income, or you know, I'm near retirement age anyway, so it's not a big deal. And um, I would have to say this: this person just turned down a five-year deal too. Well, I mean, you know, I think people, uh, I think the pandemic has, has forced people to make decisions. I mean, mm-hmm. look at it, most of the restaurants right now can't get employees because people are like, I, I don't want to work under that situation anymore or those uh, mm-hmm. conditions. Mm-hmm. Or being uh, told what to do. <laughs> well, I, I, I think part of it is the low pay and, uh, you know, and also uh, feeling that, uh, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, an iffy job situation. And I think also you had during the pandemic, they went back to work for a week or two, and then all of a sudden they were out of work again. And, uh, you know, people are just trying to figure out, yeah. you know, how to make their life better in, in any way they can. Uh, yes. As well as any other. And, and as you and I know that this person is going to come on this podcast and he's going to tell the industry how he really feels. Well, I, he, he uh, <laughs> they, they call that, uh, they call that a certain kind of money. I mean, good, for, you know, good for him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this person, I know who you're talking about. I'm not going to mention their name or, yeah, or who they yeah. are. Um, all I'll say is I've been a fan of their work for years. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I love Rick Dees too. Okay. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Rick Dees is a, a great guy. And uh, I'm, I'm so happy to hear he's moving back to Kentucky. And I think the rest of America will be too. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, I mean, the American dream is about a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. The American dream is about me making enough money for my family that we can make decisions that aren't just making them because, you know, Mm -hmm. we only have that much money or or whatever to own a house, to to live where you want. And so the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, I think, yeah. Isn't that, uh, I think that's in the constitution or something. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, uh, so, you know, the great thing about America is you can obtain that. You can chase after that in whichever way you want. Right. Yes. If, I mean, you, you know, if you want to, if you want to be a movie star, you can go to Hollywood and you can, you can see if you can get cast in a movie and, and become an actor and, you know, or if a, a singer is your thing, you can do that. If you want to start your own business, you can do that. Um, if, if you're a craftsman, you can, you can work at your craft. If, if you can, you know, get people to pay money for your craft, um, you know, so there's a lot of ways to attain the American dream. Right? The land of opportunity. That's what they keep us saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's provided lots of opportunity for you and I. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, I am thankful. I mean, right now what I'm doing is, is something that in a lot of places I probably couldn't do. Exactly. Same here. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So, I mean, and that I'm in control of what I do. You know, I'm not working for some major corporation that's saying, hey, you can't do this. You can't do that, but you can do this. Um, And and it's so cool that God gave us the opportunity to intertwine our workings together, too. Oh, definitely. You know, I think, you know, part of the thing about your work is, you know, liking and and respecting the people you'd work with or Mm -hmm. can work around or, you know, and, uh, you know, finding like-minded individuals who, who are trying to do good, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's always, always a positive thing. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Rex Radio and I just proved something right now. There is a such thing as common ground if you have common sense. Well, now you're talking about <laughs> Thomas Paine. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother uh, relative, but I won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm a Thomas Paine fan. Oh, I'm a huge Thomas Paine fan. Uh, I think anybody that's done what we've done for a living, uh, if you're not a fan of Thomas Paine and what he accomplished during the American Revolution, then mm-hmm. you probably aren't in the right business. You probably need to be doing something else. Man, and Thomas Paine was a part of the American building, I'll tell you that. Well, he was the first media. Yeah. He was the media that got people excited uh, about the American Revolution, about freedom. Mm-hmm. It's a pamphlet, Common Sense. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – and, and another thing about Thomas Paine, a lot of folks don't know. You probably do. Uh, but 
is uh, he wrote he wrote uh, stuff on uh, believing in God and religion. Yes. Uh, during those days, and said basically, you see this river, you see this forest. There's a god. Mm-hmm. Right? This, this god. This is the act of God, and was ostracized by society from that. I think like five people showed up at his funeral. He was completely ostracized by society wow. because. You know, the way they believed in God then was, hey, you got to cite the Bible and it's got to be this. And he was saying, well, Mother Nature is proof that God exists. Somebody created this. Somebody, you know. And uh, he was uh, right. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree with what he said. It just always amazes me that people were so, I guess, enraptured by religion of the day that it's saying something like that was was blasphemy, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the, you know, a lot of people don't understand this, too. The Constitution was based on biblical principles. Well, I think some were there, but then you have things that, you know, I've watched documentaries where it talks about the founding fathers and, you know, basically Mm -hmm. none of them were really. Thomas Jefferson wasn't really a believer. Christian. Yeah. 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 He was the one. He was the one. One of the very few. Right. But, you know, mostly, you know, they were, I would say, anti-religious. But the the dynamiters they set up for the Constitution and the Bill of Rights were somewhat on religious principles. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of my studying on the Constitution myself because, you know, I'm like, oh, documentary, that's cool. But I'm going to do my own research. And um, I know some pretty cool, like, uh, uh, theologists and theologians, or they call them or whatever. And uh-huh. they helped me to figure out you know, what book of the Bible that the Constitution really aligns itself with, and it was the book of Isaiah. Okay. Yeah. You know, these, you know, I mean, our routes, our rights are endowed by our creator. Oh, yeah. yeah you know? I mean, and so government can't take that away, and that's why they wrote these Bill of Rights and the Constitution. Well, you know, I think it, it, the, the weird thing is it, it, it's twofold. The Constitution is twofold. It says, you know, all these ineligible rights, ineligible rights, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, except if you're African American, Native American, uh, some minority, then you don't count. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but if you're, but if you're white, it's saying it's all right. If you're white, then hey, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's all yours. And, and so right. I think that there's. But wait a know, minute! They used the Native American sentiment on here, the ego. Sure. <laughs> And well, it says yeah. all men are created equal. Well, I mean, you know, so, I mean, that's that's bipolar, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's bipolar. <laughs> all, all men have, have the same amount of rights, except mm-hmm. if you're African-American and you're a slave, if you're Native American and you're a slave, or you're mm-hmm. just Native American, um, uh, you don't have rights. Or, you know, eventually... Uh, what African Americans would be three fifths of a vote. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, did no. you did you know? See, here here's where I'm going, and I'm uh-huh. gonna get a lot of uh, people ticked off, but I don't care um, okay. because I'm gonna tell the truth. Uh, did sure. you know that the terminology African American was started by the left to do some separation of people? Oh, I, I completely agree. Well, the hy- yeah. the great hyphenation of mm-hmm. Irish American, Italian American. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. It, it was yeah. it was a setup for separation. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You know yeah. the you know the cool Woodrow Wilsons of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, he loved uh, you know he loved the United Nations and he and he loved the Ku Klux Klan also. Uh, do the same. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, 
Mr. Yeah, Jim Crow I, I King. Mean, so, I mean, I think that the bipolarness of, of our country, right, mm -hmm. is everybody is free and they have the same amount of rights, except if you're not white. <laughs> <laughs> then we have a then we have a different set of rules for you guys to play by. Yeah, yeah. And then it right. actually got finalized uh, by Abraham Lincoln perfectly. Right, right. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, and then, you know, five days after the Civil War ends, he is shot dead. And, mm -hmm. yeah, we, and, and we, his uh, and his racist vice president Johnson becomes president right, for a while. Right, right, right. You are. You, my you see, you see the lining here, the 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 reading between the uh, the letters. Uh, yeah. JFK, his <laughs> vice president was Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah, I, and they were, supposedly yeah. weren't related, but uh, it, it seems like. But you like get it, Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Start yeah. running the country. Sure the did. two the two nicest guys get whacked right. because well, they were I mean, trying to do what's right yeah. for the country and the people. Yeah. Well, you know, Lincoln, you know, if you look at, you know, there was a certain part of the country that felt that he wasn't he wasn't on their side. And, and so they, you know, had a lot of dislike, mm -hmm. if not hit for him. Um, and, and to some degree, you can understand the South feeling that way. Right. Feeling mm -hmm. like they're not getting representation. Basically, the same way the United States of America felt with England is what had to be going through the South's mind mm -hmm. is the government was trying to tell them what to believe, how to believe it, how to how to do their work and, and whatever. And, you know, once again, people don't like the government kind of telling them what to do. No, not That's at all. And so, you know, you can understand to some degree the way the South felt. Um, you know, I I believe that Abraham Lincoln was, you know, for whatever reason, came to a, a judgment at one point that. He wanted to change slavery in this country. I don't believe he always felt that. I no, he was afflicted. He he even says it. He, he you know, he was afflicted. I think right. every human being is afflicted in some way or form. Well, I think anytime we're, you know, we're extinguishing some other human being's rights, right? Mm -hmm. And we're saying you don't have the same right to quality of life that I do, that, you know, sooner or later that, you know, you have to think about that. I think most humans do and have to go, well, why do I feel this way? Why, mm -hmm. why am I, uh, why am I feeling this way? Why am I, you know, look how long it took women to vote in this country. Oh yeah. You know? So, I mean, you know, um, it, it took forever. Right. To, to, for women to get the right to vote suffrage. And, uh, so, I mean, you know, but these are the inequities of America and there are things that we all need to work through and, and, and try to come together and make uh, the country a better place. I'm going to tell you right now, when it comes down to the slavery thing, mm -hmm. every ethnic group owns slaves. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's because mm -hmm. you know, the Native Americans had black slaves. Sure, sure. Um, the whites had black slaves. But you know who the very first slave owner in the United States of America was on, on, on this soil? He was a black guy. That's what you were telling me. His something. name is yeah. Anthony Johnson. Look him up. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, you know, and it's and it, it's 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 amazing to me that people are not telling the full story of everything. You know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I I think we need. To, I think you know the full story needs to be told, and I think we'll have great closure. Right. You know, and, and the thing is, no one's telling the whole story. 
Um, well, everybody, everybody colors history kind of how it'll benefit them, right? Mm-hmm. Because to you know, to me, I love history, and I, I, and, and I love learning yeah. about these things. I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know. Uh, right. And the story of Crazy Horse, I love that story. I love that story too. Yeah. yeah. And, and Bill O'Reilly wrote a great book about it too, Killing Crazy Horse. Yeah, I read it. It it, it, I, I, it was better than. Uh, than I thought it would be. <laughs> you know, he's a very good writer. Yeah. And, and I was shocked. I was like, wow, Bill can write. You know? Yeah. And, and you know, and, 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 and unfortunately, a lot of my uh, fellow colleagues that, uh, you know, that supported uh, the last president uh-huh. didn't like the fact that Bill O'Reilly said a couple things. But it was truth, you know? Uh-huh. He right. speaks the truth, and, and and that's what he's called to do, right? You know, and and I said, hey, no man is perfect. That's what Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly's trying to tell you. <laughs> no man is perfect. There's only one. There's only been one perfect man to walk the earth, and his name is Jesus. Well, there you go. <laughs> the weird, the weird thing is, uh, he was persecuted uh, as well. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, he was persecuted for us. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, the, the thing I think, you know, and you bring up a good point right there, is is none of us are perfect, yet we act like we are. Mm-hmm. That somehow we are without uh, without errors, without... Man is imperfect. And yeah. It, it probably says that somewhere, but man <laughs> is imperfect. Man is going to get caught up in greed. He's going to get caught up in position. He's going to get caught up in ego. He's going to mm-hmm. get caught up... And a lot of things that don't help him make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Now, now you hope when you make those mistakes, they're they're nothing that that affects somebody's in losing their life. Uh, you know, but the bottom line is we've all made mistakes. Absolutely, and, and I love the fact that we've made those mistakes because we can learn from them. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I think that. That's what makes life great is there's always learning opportunities. If, if you're a big enough person to go, you know, maybe I didn't handle that quite right. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe I didn't, uh, you know, and I always think one of the, one of the things that gets you to reach that level, maybe a little quicker is having kids. Right. You know, is all of a sudden what your whole world is all about you. When you have kids, all of a sudden your whole world, at least it should be about your children. Absolutely. And so that changes most of our, our, our thinking mm-hmm. to some degree, right? Is we're a parent. Yes. Uh, or, or maybe you, uh, you know, you get married or you're in a significant relationship that changes, um, your, your perception of, of your own reality and realizing that there's things that are more important than yourself. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I think we, we have a lot of people, society as a whole is we're really caught up in ourselves. And, uh, you know, we got to have that new gadget or we got to do this or we got to do that. And uh, it's all about me, you know, instead of, you know, I, I think that we live in the uh, the selfish, the selfish generation. Yeah. Uh, just great, you know. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people in the in the generation that we live in were coddled by parents and given participation trophies. And I, I think that's I think that was the, that's one of the um, one of the formulas to the problems that we're having today. Uh, I, I, I I agree and I disagree because my previous life, I was a soccer player. I coached soccer. I was a licensed FIFA ref. 
Um, so I can speak to it from my personal experience of being a soccer coach, being a soccer player. Right. I, I think that there was a lot more made out of, you know, sure, there was leagues that did the, you know, the participation trophy or whatever. Uh, and there were leagues that, that did, uh, you know, hey, we're not going to keep score because we don't want to make the kids feel bad if they lost. <laughs> which, I, which I think is, a, is baloney because the world is competitive. Yeah, and I, and I uh, think it does them a disservice because when they become adults, they realize, yeah. oh no, well we keep I'm not, score. I'm we, not on that same level. I thought, well, we you keep, know, we keep score at everything. Yeah, we keep score on everything. Okay, uh, we keep score by your paycheck. We I did a radio bit about this once. I think mm -hmm. and it was about rewarding your kids for good grades. And, right. And, and people called in and, you know, they, they had their own opinion about it. My thing was, is I rewarded my son for good grades. I rewarded my son for scoring a goal in soccer. I, I you know, if my son played well, then, you know, he was going to. He deserved it. Yeah. And my son had a chance to play professional soccer and turned it down. So, I mean, my son was a good soccer player. He could have went as far as he wanted to go. Mm -hmm. um, but he decided <clears throat> at a certain age that, you know, hey, my heart's really not in this anymore. I don't want to become a professional soccer player and five years later have to kind of start a career and, and figure out what I'm going to do. And so I'm going to just go ahead and jump into, you know, my career, what I want to do. Right. And, and, you know, I, you know, I was disappointed a little about that. I, I would have loved to see my son play professional soccer, but I didn't want him to do it for me. I wanted him to do it because, Hey, this is what I want to do. Yeah, Do it because you want to do it. Not because the right. parents want you to do it. Right. Right. And I never forced him. I always asked him, are you having fun playing soccer? Are you still having fun? Are you having a good time? Um, and so, but you know, sports treat us, uh, treat us to great life lessons on that field, on the baseball field, the soccer field, the football field. Whatever. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the wrestling mat for me, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, and the thing they, they teach us is, is about teamwork. Mm -hmm. They teach us about sacrifice. Uh, they mm -hmm. teach us about, uh, you know, just being part of a team and, and, and working together with other people to achieve a common goal. And that, yeah, you know, all of us together are, are worth more than just one of us by ourselves. And, mm -hmm. you know, the lessons I learned on a soccer field taught me, you know, everything I needed to know in life pretty much. Exactly. Um, Hey, and, if you lose, just pick your pick your feet up and move on. Hey, I was in a soccer game once. Our team lost eighteen to nothing, and the other team was all my friends. I had to sit out of here because I had bad grades. Was all my friends that I grew up playing with beat oh, the team eighteen wow. to nothing. So I, I I know about losing. I know what losing is like. Yeah, and and, and uh, I know what winning is like. But mm -hmm. guess what? When you lose, when you lose, you lose. You learn more when you lose than when you win. Yeah, says always the late, great Kobe Bryant. Yeah, you always learn more about yourself, about the situation, mm -hmm. about maybe how next time, if you're in that situation, you're going to do things differently or that you're just going to work harder, that you didn't work hard enough. And you know what it taught me? It taught me how are you going to do in life when you have adversity in front of you? How are you going to face that adversity? How well, are you going to conquer that? Well, that's the thing is we've made life too comfortable and too easy and mm -hmm. that these kids just – I say kids, but these people just absolutely fall apart when they have any little setback. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Life is going to be pretty long if, you know. <laughs> it's going to be a long ride if you, ha if you well, fall yeah. apart at one setback. Right, right. And if mm -hmm. you don't pick yourself up, I mean, you know, in, in your own initiative and in your own uh, perseverance and, uh, you know, um, if, if it's worth it, nothing comes easy, right? If it's mm -hmm. if it's something that's worth the effort, 
then you're gonna have to you know you're gonna have to work at it. Yeah, it's like the thing when it came to me doing radio, my shift right. had to be perfect. And mm-hmm. sometimes I would step back after my shift and I'm like, you know, I didn't like that show today. Mm-hmm. But the program director says something different. He says, Oh, it was a wonderful show. It was great. You sounded right. great. I'm like, but it wasn't up to my standards. Right, right. And well, he I, was like, Wow. He goes, yeah, You think yeah. you can do better? I said, No, I know I can do better. Right. And he's like, but, Wow. He goes, That's he goes, that's that sports mentality right there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, you know, and I think, you know, if you come from that sports uh, mentality, then you know about that it takes work to be good, you know, mm-hmm. that it takes work to, and, and I think the most of us that were athletes are, you know, you learn how to work through sports. You learn how to work out. You learn how to, mm-hmm. you know, train, you learn how to study, you learn how to, you know, get better. And, and that I'm going to make, you know, yesterday's game was good, but today's game is going to be a little better than that game yesterday. Yeah. Because my PD used to ask me, he goes, so you said that, you can do better. He goes, you're awesome. I hired you. He goes, you haven't hit your peak yet. I says, no. I says, because when I get hired, I want to be a hundred times better than the the whole staff. And he just looked at me with this frozen stare like, wow. I said, yeah, I expect to be better than everyone on the staff. Right. He's like, wow, that's, that's some high expectations. He goes, I believe you can do it. He goes, you are the best I have in the building. You know, mm-hmm. you're my utility guy. You're my go-to guy. Sure. And, sure. I says, and I says, yeah, so that's why I aspire to be better than what I am today, tomorrow. Well, I think that, you know, that's, that's what makes it a challenge. That's what, you know, that you're climbing to that mountaintop. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you arrived on that mountaintop, then, you know, something will shake you out of that pretty quick, generally, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that's what I loved about being on the radio is there was always a chance to do better. That's what I loved about playing soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I did this well today, but, you know, maybe I could have dribbled that ball a little better uh, getting past that last defender, you know, and, mm-hmm. and next time I'll cut to the left instead of the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, I'll, I'll or set up top up. and hit him dead center. Yeah. Or juke, uh, juke a little more and, yeah. and go, you know, uh, you know, you know, just, or, you know, boy, I didn't have my best touch on the ball today for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, I was a, a touch off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, every game was a learning opportunity, you hope. And uh, every radio show is a learning opportunity. Every, you know, and, and I still use that mentality in doing videos that we do. And in, in the sense mm-hmm. of, okay, that was a good video, but maybe I should have done this. Or maybe I should have mentioned that. Or maybe I should have showed this or showed that or how can I make it better? And so, I mean, I mean, I think that that's what makes it challenging is you have that challenge in front of you to be better next time out. Absolutely. And our competitiveness will always kick in regardless. Well, I think so. Yeah. I I, I think, you know, if you grew up in a a sports mentality and I could say the same for maybe somebody who grew up in band or somebody who grew up in, uh, you know, theater, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, they wanted to do the play better next time, or they wanted to play uh, their section of the band better next time. You know, it, it comes from anything I think that you put the work into, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you can learn from that. You can learn the same things. Everybody doesn't have to play sports. That I love sports, but I believe that there's other activities that can bring uh, the same learning process, can bring uh, the same 
passion, the same uh, fulfillment uh, for the participant, for the individual. Yeah, because like when I left my last radio gig in 2011, uh-huh. I don't. I think I might have told you this story. Uh-huh. Um, I went into the office and I told them, I says, I'm done with this place. I, you know, there's no more room for growth for me here. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was like, oh, you don't want to kick back and think about it for a while. Like, you know what? I'm done thinking about it. And right. what was rolling around in my head is one of my good friends that told me like five years prior to that, he goes, hey, man, you've mm-hmm. outgrown that place. Move on already. And I'm just like, um, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think it was all God's timing too, on top of what I did and Mm -hmm. other people prior to me going into the PD's office saying that I was done. They were like, Oh, what are you going to do? Oh my goodness. You know, you know, it's a, it's a cool gig. I'm like, yeah, but I I think there's not enough for me here. I gotta go. And they're just like, wow. When I left radio, when I left radio, what, 2016, I guess it was 20, just the start of 2016. Uh-huh. And, and I was planning on staying a little longer, but then I, I realized that maybe I had about another year for my son being home. And, uh, and I wanted to spend as much time with him and, you know, mm-hmm. you're working a lot of weekends and stuff. And so, so I, I told him, I said, Hey, this is, you know, I, I, I gave him two weeks and I said, this is, this is going to be it for me. And, uh, mm-hmm. right about that time I was offered to do some TV work for, uh, PBS and we oh, did yeah. uh-huh. three years of TV shows and some voiceover stuff. And, and, and that was a, a fun challenge and in the sense of, you know, it was a great learning experience to kind of mm-hmm. do some TV stuff again. And, uh, but it, it's just there was no longer a challenge. It exactly. Didn't seem, didn't seem to matter if you got ratings. It didn't seem to matter if the audience liked you. It didn't seem – nothing seemed to matter. And uh, the, my paycheck definitely didn't matter. Um, and so, <laughs> Same here. Yeah. And so it was time to move on. And uh, it was a little bit after that that we created this company that, that we do now, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Rex on Road Media. And let me just say there's far more challenges – like what I did yesterday and almost every day is, is meeting somebody new, uh, showing some food or drink spot uh, and and interviewing somebody and finding out why it is they do what they do. Exactly. Um, you know, and nobody telling you, oh, you can't say that or you can't talk about that or you can't talk about this. Or, <laughs> you know. How many times have yeah. we been told that in radio? Yeah. The, you know, the next question I had for him, what can I talk about? Can you let me know? <laughs> I'm like, write it down on a piece of paper and I'll get back to you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, it's funny, though, Rex. I was kind of that rebel that when they would say, sure. oh, you can't say this. Hey, can you oh. stop talking about God at the end of your show so much? Oh, OK. Uh, and then I'll just turn it up a little more. Yeah. You know. yeah, I always got I always got in trouble because I talked about sports and I'd always get PD. Oh, nobody. Uh, you know, uh, they don't like it when you talk about sports. That's funny because I got a lot of phone calls from people. It's funny. I got a lot of comments from people. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, and so I would do it and then we'd look at the ratings and the ratings looked pretty good. So apparently somebody liked it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, my thing was, is I came out radio to be an entertainer. I didn't come out radio to be a DJ. I yeah. came out radio to entertain uh, through that medium. Um, and I don't think management ever liked me at any radio station I worked at, but the audience seemed to, to like what we were doing, felt that I was identifiable, that, you know, we had a fun show and, and seemed to love talking to me. In fact, we just did an event last weekend. And, and so I, I went up there and there was this guy and, and, uh, he goes, Hey, Rex on the radio. And I go, Hey Billy, what's, what's going on? He used to call my radio show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he goes, Hey, it's great to see you. 
and, and the first thing he asked me is, are you still on that radio station? I said, oh, no, I haven't been on that for, for years Yeah, uh, and, and stuff. But the, the positive vibe that I get from people is they have, they have positive memories of when we were on the radio and they like it and they like the, you know, the videos we do now or, or what have you. Um, and so I think that is a huge compliment that people, you know, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they get a smile, they get a laugh or, you know, it's entertaining or, or whatever and takes them away from, uh, you know, their problems, uh, and, you know, gives them something else to think about and, and maybe smile about, you know, I used to love when I got pulled into the program director's office, when he would get the, uh, trends for the ratings mm -hmm. and he asked me, he goes, dude, what are you doing on your shift on a Friday night mix show? to get mm -hmm. number one ratings across the board with these numbers. Right. And I'm like, what numbers? He's like, dude, you have a 24 share. Yeah. yeah well, I can. <laughs> and he goes, and I said, but you know, uh, Friday is the most listened to night in radio. Right. And he goes, right, he right. goes, well, yeah, he goes, but there's lots of competition out there. We're competing against LA and you're doing right. this damage. Yeah. He goes, I said, really? He goes, yeah, let me read your numbers. He was just he was just in awe. He goes, he goes, ages twelve to seventeen, you got a seventeen share. I was like, right. oh nice. He goes, here, here's the kicker. He goes, mm -hmm. ages eighteen to thirty-four, you have a thirty-one share. I'm like, oh nice, nice. You know, mm -hmm. I was sitting there in my modesty, like, yeah, okay, I know I did that. Right. And then he goes, uh, and I think it was uh 35 to 40 35 to 54 mm -hmm. i had a uh i had a 15 share but he said the craziest number was the the uh the numbers all the way to dead <laughs> wow. you know the numbers past 55 he goes right. i can't believe you have a 10 share he goes well. he goes what in the heck he goes those people in that age group are listening to modern music. Right. Right. I said, I, I said, you know what it is? I told them, I said, you know what? Honestly, I get uh -huh. this from listeners. They say that they don't even listen for the music. Right. They're just, right. they're just waiting to see what I am going to do next. They want to hear me. They don't want to hear the music. <laughs> I told them, honestly, I said, it's what's in between the records. They want to hear. Well, I think it's, you know, what we would, what we would call content. Now it's all about the content choices. Mm -hmm. And what you, you know, what you talk about, and my thing, as much as probably yours, was just finding what other people were thinking, what they were doing, what, you know, how can you relate to them? And I'd say 90% of people that are on the radio uh, are what in the business I would call liner card jock. And, yeah, and they, yeah, Spotify jocks. <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, there's little liners that they write for us to say, and that's all these guys say. That's all mm -hmm. these people, and they never relate to the audience. They never go out of a robotic uh, type of show. And then there's people, hopefully like us, that go, well, I'm going to entertain. I'm going to talk about what's going on in my city, what's going on in my town. But I'm going to find out what people care about. I'm going to find out what they're thinking about. And I'm going to talk about those things. And, and I, you know, I feel this way. Hey, has this ever happened to you type of thing? I mean, basically social media before social media. Right. And, you know, there's, there's some people that just paint by the numbers and there's some people that paint with passion and feeling and uh and relatability and, and some comedy thrown in and you know to me those were always the guys that were fun to listen to you know was the guys that made it a show 
that made it show business. Exactly. And I think that's why he got kind of frozen when I told him I was leaving after that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it always surprised me that radio, you know, and I worked at a lot of radio stations. It always surprised me that the guy who was a mediocre talent could keep a job longer than the guy that was a superstar or, you know, a real well-received personality and people loved him. The, mm-hmm. the, the superstar would seem to be bounced out as quick as possible. Meanwhile, the the mediocre talent who only read what was written for him would stay. And that never made any sense to me at all. Yeah, still yeah, 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 that happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been a witness to that. I've seen a lot of that happen to people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, if you've worked at more than a couple of radio stations or worked in the business for more than, you know, just a, a little bit, uh, you definitely see that. And you're like, wow, that's kind of surprising that that morning guy that everybody loved is is out on his keister here pretty quick. Yeah. And, and the guy that is a so-so talent that nobody knows his name has kept his uh, job. Yeah. And, you know? and I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to take a pop shot at somebody just because I felt like it today. Um, okay. his name right. is Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> I'm taking a pop shot at that guy and I'm going to say, Hey, you know what? He's not that great on radio. Uh, and how does it feel to work somewhere and you steal material from the guy that created it for morning radio and you can't even perfect it? Well, it just goes to show you, and it's the same thing, uh, the radio stations try to do and introduced to try to do was they would go to a city and listen to a great radio station, let's say Kiss FM in L.A., right? And they would go, mm-hmm. uh, the PD or a consultant would go there, and they would record that radio station and go, wow, you know, these are what these guys sound like on Kiss FM, and if you can sound just like them, we're going to win. It's, you know, we'll just copy them. Yeah. Um, and, and then so they would go to Oklahoma City, and they'd try to do their own version of Kiss FM or whatever, and they would have, you know, their morning guy try to be Rick Dees or, or whatever. And it didn't work. Yeah, and it just didn't work. One, because that guy wasn't as talented as as Rick Dees or, or somebody like that. And two, they weren't being authentic. They weren't being them. They were they were trying to to be to be fake to be because they thought that that's what made great radio was just the bit. And they didn't understand the art of the bit, the art of of the content, and the reason it works. And I think that's why radio's losing right now because all these shows from major markets are being pop, pop, piped in. I wanted to say to small markets. Well, I, I listened to a radio station the other day when I was in the car driving, and uh, it was a classic rock station here in uh, Sacramento. And uh, and so the music mix they were playing was fine. You know, it was classic rock, and I, I, the songs were good. I didn't hear a jock talk for 20, 30 minutes. I didn't hear a DJ saying that. Wow. And I heard one sweeper in that 20 minutes. And other than that, I maybe they went into a stop set, um, you know, with with some kind of voice, uh, but it wasn't the jock. And and then finally, you'll hear a jock talk, and they don't say anything. And, uh, you know, they don't say anything of consequence. And then oh, another 20 or 30 minutes, um, you know, that – there's no way you're going to build a relationship with the audience doing that type of radio. There's yeah. no, no way at all. It's like 95.5 KLS. Here's Adam Ant. What? Right. That's right. it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and radio right now is, is losing the podcast. It's losing the every form of medium out there. Uh, and the thing is, 
most of our radio is voice tracked from another city, so you're never going to hear something said about your city or, you know, if it is, it's some pre-recorded thing that's not really relatable and it's just, uh, you know, somebody reading about the event. This Sunday, they're doing a blood drive, uh, you know, head out, out to, uh, you know, Citrus Mall. And, and don't worry, the van will be there, but I won't. And, and Mm-hmm. Only people listening to music radio right now are people that like that form of music. Yeah, because they, they're definitely not listening for the talent anymore. No, no, there is no talent anymore, or not enough talent anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think it's all gone, man. Oh, I do, too. I, I mean, I and I don't even listen to the radio uh, that much, uh, you know, regular radio. I, what I find is internet radio. It seems to be more entertaining, or at least... You know, I understand if I turn on an internet station, you know, they may not have any jocks. They may not have any anybody talking in between the songs. I'm fine with that because I understand they're not going to. They're not trying to you know, be. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. some of them are, have DJs on and, and they're entertaining uh, folks in, in their own right. Probably people that used to work in in uh, regular radio and, and they have a station on the internet. And they have, you know, all kinds of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Rex, my brother, what yeah. is on tab for the near future weeks for you? Uh, what do we got? Uh, we're going to a cider company on Friday, and we're going to check out their ciders. Uh, they make ciders, pear cider uh, here in the uh, Northern California region. And so we got that. And then we might go to a wine tasting Saturday. Ooh. And, uh, and then, you know, I do that little radio show uh, that happens to be on iHeartRadio uh, just for fun. And uh, so we do that and, uh, you know, see whatever uh, trouble we can get into. <laughs> yeah, but, your uh, 70s radio show is freaking awesome. Yeah, they, you know, they put together a really good station. I, I just do a, you know, a small shift on there, mostly just because I miss radio, I guess. Um, and and kind of to promote what we're doing with Rex on the road and have some fun. Uh, but uh, Bud uh, Cress, uh, that's his station. He created it 19 years ago. He has a whole staff of, of DJs, and uh, I do like the late night show during the week. And uh, you know, it's a, a good sounding station. He just got it on iHeartRadio. It's on TuneIn. It's on Live 365. Uh, also, you can get it from the website that's 70schannel.com. Yeah, and I and I listen to that 70s channel on the TuneIn app, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So yeah, you know. Yeah, I- you know, it kind of sounds like radio used to sound if you grew up in the 70s or 80s and you have DJs on talking about the music or, or talking about whatever's going on. And uh, and so it's a, a good thing. Uh, you know, it's got some good talents and mm-hmm. uh, it's put together really well. And, uh, you know, congrats to Bud for uh, getting it on iHeartRadio here fairly recently. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, it continues to grow. And uh, it looks like people are listening all over the world to uh, the channel. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's fun. You know, it kind of takes people away. You know, it's, uh, you're not going to hear politics on there. You're just going to hear, you know, people talking about 70s music, mm-hmm. and about maybe old TV shows and you know, talking about some current stuff going on. But, yeah. And if you want to hear the crazy stuff that's going on in the world, then you just flip it over to my podcast and you're good. Right. Right. Exactly. You're fully covered. And but fully I back- put an entertaining spin on it, as you noticed. Well, I feel like every time I hear you, I feel like I just got vaccinated. (laughs) (laughs) That's the answer I like to hear. Thank you, Rex. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hey, nice chatting with you and uh, catch up with you soon. 
Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Inside the Kennel right here on Podbean.com, a Money Bin production. Remember, God bless you. God bless the world. Love one another, my friends, and take care of each other. And we'll see you real soon, sucker.